Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible thump. So I'm going to read from Romans 6, starting in verse 15. Let's, let's, let's read. What then? Should we sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you yourselves... If you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness." which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you're now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, once you've been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, so... <clears throat> Here's kind of what Paul's doing in this passage. Uh, Paul's been dealing with a lot of these issues with regard to Jews and Gentiles, with regard to the gospel. And there was this assumption going around that maybe because Jesus has, has come and has kind of reframed the law, at the very least, there are some that thought maybe he's totally revolutionized the law. Maybe Jesus is done with the law of God. Um, but... But that's, that's not exactly true. Like, Jesus um, definitely reframes, should reframe how we think of it, um, and, and definitely should cause us to dig deeper. Um, but the main thing that I think Jesus accomplished was to demonstrate that the law um, can't change us. It cannot transform us. It cannot save us. And that doesn't mean that the law isn't of tremendous value. And I've been saying that in these Bible Thumb videos for a while, is that we've got to get out of our mind that we don't need the law, that it's not important, that because of Jesus, it doesn't matter. And so that's kind of, um, that's the issue Paul's addressing here. He says again, he's already kind of said the same statement in Romans 6. Um, at the very beginning, Romans 6, 1, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Well, here he says the same thing. What then? Should we sin because we're not on the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. And Paul roots that claim that no, we should not just continue in sin because we're saved by grace in the reality of who followers of Jesus are now in him. He has this vision of the gospel. He has this vision of Christianity that says it's about transformation. That Jesus transforms our identity that he changes us from the inside out, and that change begins to shape and mold us and infiltrate every part of our lives and every part of our world. Fathers of Jesus are not the same because of their relationship with Jesus. Um, this doesn't mean, by the way, that um, your change, if you're a Christian, will always be something the people around you can perceive. Um, it can be very subtle. Um, and everybody's change looks different. We should be careful not to to compare our transformation with the transformation of the people around us. Um, we need to to be careful here. But um, but here's here's what I want to say. I think that there is this assumption amongst a lot of a lot of Christians that um, that like rules are a bad thing. 
right? Because we're not saved by the law. We're not saved by rules. No amount of rule keeping. doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't how, matter um, how carefully you've lived your life and 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 how what high how high of a standard you've set for yourself that standard that high standard you've set for yourself cannot earn God's love. That's what makes the gospel really special is that the gospel is this free gift that it demonstrates that God loves based on his own character that he loves us because he chooses to love us. And that's really good because it says that I can't like forfeit his love that my performance, my track record in this world, how well I perform at the tasks and, and, and rules and, and so forth that God has said before us, those won't make God love me anymore. They won't make him love me any less. Um, like my position as a son of God, as a child of God, is not dependent on my rule following, on my performance, um, you know, we're not getting a performance evaluation at the end of the year and God's going like, hmm, you're on the brink, you might get laid off this year. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not the way Christianity works. And it's part of what makes it beautiful is that a relationship with God through Jesus really is, is free. It really is truly free. That doesn't mean that we should think of freedom in the sense of like, we can now do whatever we want. Here's the reality that I think we all need to embrace. You have, you have rules that you live by. We all do. The question is to ask ourselves, what rules are those that we're living by? Are we living by um, values? We don't have to call them rules. We call them values. Values set forth by the world around us, by the culture that we live in, maybe by our parents, maybe by our churches, maybe by, um, you know, uh, influencers that we follow or politicians or whoever it is that's currently in vogue. Is that who, you know, what what rules are we abiding by? Um, There is no doubt, there is no doubt that social media has changed our value systems. And you know what it's done is it's further entrenched people in their already held values because social media gives us, tends to give us more of what we want. Um, So like, for example, if you're super right wing, you know what social media has done to people who are, well, sorry, let me, let me, let me reframe that. Okay. If you're right wing, maybe even just leaning that way, social media will move you further and further to the right. If you're left-wing, if you're more progressive, social media is moving you more and more to the left. Um, And so, yeah, those are values that we're all being influenced by. Um, Social media is constantly influencing us to consider uh, how we think, and it's moving us further into our our own preconceived notions. Um, I think what the Bible would say about each of us is that um, we really like ourselves and we have a tendency to um, to want to go deeper into ourselves. And that's not always healthy because sometimes what we think and what we believe needs to be challenged. That's what makes the gospel so compelling. That's what makes like the Sermon on the Mount so amazing is that Jesus comes in and he says things that, that, are, that challenge some of our preconceived notions. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is a countercultural claim that challenged all kinds of ancient Jewish and Greek uh, views about identity. What makes us value and worth and, and worthwhile in in the in 
ancient Judaism and ancient Greece, but today even, it's this idea that that wealth, right? If I'm successful in my business, if I'm making a good amount of money, um, yeah, that 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 makes me feel good about myself. And the world tells us that that's what makes you valuable. That's what, what, what makes you worthwhile. Um, and Jesus challenges that on the first statement of the Sermon on the Mount. So what I want to say to you is, um, is yeah, you live by a certain set of rules. Um, you live by a certain set of value statements and judgments. And Paul here is saying, like, look, uh, the gospel Yes, it frees us from trying to earn God's love and acceptance, but it actually calls us to embrace a new set of rules in a way, or to let the the gospel, let Jesus redefine or 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 reestablish our priorities and our and the set of rules, the set of values that we live by. And Paul um, equates it with slavery. He says, you were enslaved to sin, but now you should be enslaved to righteousness. And I want to be really clear. Paul's not envisioning a type of slavery that gives us, that like reduces our value or worth, or a type of slavery that gives us no voice, no say in how our life operates and what it looks like. But I think what Paul's trying to say, instead instead of something like that, what Paul's trying to say here is like, look, you've tried to do it your way. You've tried to live life on your own terms. You've thought you knew the way you needed to go. And where has it gotten you? That's kind of what he's saying here. Like, where has it gotten you? How, how has that worked out for you? You know, how is that working out for you that you're doing your own thing, living your own way, living by your own set of standards? And he tries to confront us with the reality that those things lead to death. In other words, they're destructive. In other words, they don't give us a better life. They don't bless the people around us. They don't make us happier. They don't make us more content. They don't give us a sense of purpose and meaning and value. They don't help us to connect to the kingdom of God that Jesus is building and has established and is continuing to establish on earth. We need a new rule of life. Stop thinking. This is the encouragement Paul would give us, I think. Stop thinking that you get to decide that your rules are wise and good. Maybe it's time to surrender. Maybe it's time to stop thinking that we got it all figured out, right? But since you've been free from sin, Paul says, and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. The gospel is is not enslaving in the sense that we think of it because um, this slavery that Paul calls us to, submission is maybe the better word, submission to his will, submission to his way of living, submission to his values, is not exploitative. It doesn't exploit us like slavery does. It doesn't dehumanize us the way that slavery does. So it's, it, you know, because of our modern context, maybe it's not helpful to think of it that way. But what it is, is it's a letting go. It's a surrender of my way. It's a surrender of thinking, I know how to do this. And it's a surrender to say, God, I, th- I think you do. I think you know better. I'm going to stop trying my way and and trust that, that yours is better. And it's not rewardless. We're not being exploited because the result is sanctification. In other words, we become more like Jesus, the one true human, the one human being who got being human right. And he says more than that, um, the outcome is eternal life. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, if we'll surrender thinking we get to we can do life our way, we'll surrender that thought and let Jesus capture us, trust that he knows better, submit to his way and his will. Um, the result is true life, a life worth living, a life of eternal purpose and substance. Um, that's That's what I want, you know? I don't always pursue it, but that's what I want. Is that what you want? Maybe you need to embrace the rule of life that Jesus sets forth. Maybe you need to stop thinking that you're that you've got it figured out and submit to the one who's figured it out for you. Try his way. It is his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It is a beautiful path. It is narrow but it is a beautiful path. I encourage you to try it. What's a step this step you can take this week to stop thinking you're in control and submit to the beautiful, the difficult, but beautiful, the narrow, but spacious way of Jesus. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>